Again, Wilkinson in the place. Johnny Wilkinson, he's got it! Hell up, Schimpeda, but Gerrard! You beauty! What a headshot! What a headshot! Welcome to this week's The Two Pinter. Uh, it's from me, Gaz. And me, Jono. Uh, apologies, we haven't really been with you for the last uh, few weeks and, and uh, months, and I think a uh, lot's changed in that time, hasn't it, Jono? There's been a lot, lot of sport going on, Gareth, a lot of sport. <laughs> a lot of sport, and uh, there's uh, one one male who's off the uh, the female market. Uh, I'm not sure you're referring to, Gareth. Is it a famous <laughs> poster I got engaged? <laughs> well, if only. Uh, yeah, John, John is now very much uh, a kept man. Well, if you were a kept man anyway, you're uh, more of a kept man these days. Yes, indeed, I am. Um, yep. Congratulations uh, on that. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Yeah, uh, off the market ladies of the world will be uh, yeah crying or probably rejoicing. But <laughs> um, and then the other thing that we hopefully you've noticed that's different is we've now got uh, a jingle. Um, yeah, let's know what you think. It's a bit of a, an eclectic mix of our our hates and. Our likes of, uh, or likes and hates. I'll start with the hate because it starts off with England uh, in 03. But um, yeah, of different sporting moments that some, well, one of the two of us like and the other one probably doesn't because we seem to be uh, different on most sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, effectively, Jono's uh, an Englishman who supports Arsenal, um, and roughly I'm a, a Welshman who supports Liverpool. So that's roughly where the uh, the battle lines are drawn. Uh, and this is a podcast to where we argue and discuss um, sport in, in various guises. Uh, this time of year it's not a lot of football or rugby, uh, more of your, your summer sports that we quite like, probably uh, touch on the tennis that happened, a bit of cycling, uh, a bit of boxing, um, but there's probably only one place to start, uh, Andrew, and that's as we uh, are English and Welsh, it's the England and Wales cricket board. Uh, I don't know why you're Back on board, uh, there you go, back on board. I'm sure if we win, you're suddenly a fan, and then when we lose, so uh, you're shackling away to yourself. But yeah, you are correct, it is England Welsh cricket board. And uh, what, what, what a win, really. It won the World Cup. Um, I know everyone's probably known that now, and we'll probably talk through just, this, just a bit of a summary of how the uh, the final went. Um, and then if you, so if you could give us a summary of the final, Jono, and then we'll ask out the question. Um, in fact, give, give the summary first, and then we'll ask the question. Okay, yeah, and uh, we, if you want some real detail on this, uh, myself and Kale from uh, Down Under do this on the uh, two-pointer Down Under, really go into the game, but good in plug. a good game, uh, yeah, that's what we do, it's what we do, but in a quick game, England managed to get New Zealand out fairly cheaply, I think it was 240 or 243, um, you know, bowlers bowl very well, it's sort of in our hands, we've got the most destructive batting lineup in the competition, uh, you know, 240 is not a Muppet score, and it wasn't the highest scoring World Championship. A World Cup, sorry, in history, but you thought it should be okay. 
Um, we get ourselves into some early bother, getting skill down to 86 for four, and at that moment it looks like it's all over. Uh, but thanks to Ben Stokes and uh, Josh Butler, they, they drag us back into it, and um, suddenly it looks like we might have a chance, but the run rate is climbing all the time. The run rate is the uh, amount of runs you've got to get in uh, each over, and um, as it climbs it means you've got less time to do it and you've got to hit more runs, so the pressure starts increasing. And um, yeah, we're going alright, and then Butler, who'd been kind of the pace setter, he gets out, and... Um, yeah, they didn't really have to go for it, but um, somehow in the last over we we're in trouble and we need uh, I think it was nine off three, um, but then <laughs> uh, we hit it to, towards the boundary, it's run for two, but on the way back the throw uh, goes towards our batsman who's diving just to make sure he's in, and it hits his bat and goes to the uh, the boundary four. Um, so how so how many runs was that? And that and that, that particular ball. That was uh, incorrectly six runs, <laughs> uh, so it should have been five because apparently the rule is that if the batsmen are running, they, they ha they've got to cross by the time the throw comes in and they hadn't crossed the second time. So it should have been five, but the umpires who were caught up in the moment as well uh, only gave it, um, okay, sorry, gave it six and there should have been five. Uh, so it meant we needed three off two uh, and we managed to get two singles uh, and not the winning runs, so it meant that the game was tied. Not for mm -hmm. the first time, Gareth. <laughs> it then goes into what's called a super over, um, which I don't think has ever been done before at a World Cup. And uh, we go, for, we bat, uh, we bat first, and we send Stokes and Butler back out of there. It's been the best partnership, and they managed to hit 15 runs, which was very competitive. Really, I was well happy with that. And then we give the ball to the young, the young uh, Bayesian boy who's uh, come and been our sort of bowler of the tournament, Geoffrey Archer. Uh, a lot of pressure on him, but. Uh, first one doesn't quite get it once. Second one goes to six, and I'm kind of heading the hands here, thinking this is done, and you know. And then he managed to come back with a couple of balls, and you think uh, a couple of, um, I think singles. You think, oh, I tell you what, if he could just bowl a couple more, he might have a chance. And then uh, they send some more for runs, and it comes down to the final ball with New Zealand on 14, um, but with the added pressure of needing to score two to win because they were so we'd scored more boundaries than throughout the game, and so the game was going to come down if they just got a single to whoever got more boundaries. Uh, they hit what was quite a clear single. Uh, Jason Roy picks up the ball, throws it in to Josh Butler, who the Kiwi's coming back for a second run, um, but they got no chance. It was never one, but it's two runs. And Butler does the rest. He runs him out, and we've won a tie. I think the, the football equivalent is winning on who scored, who had the most corners, isn't it? It's something like that, yeah. It was bonkers, and you know, it's the as I said, Kerry. You know, we knew the rules, and um, the you know the Kiwis knew they needed to, so there was no um, unsureness about that. But it just was a bit of an odd way to finish it, really. But um, so a bit of a shame. Everyone knew that, and it was obviously celebrations across. But it was just a, a game that went back and forth, and the drama was was just constant for ages um, and yeah it just, it just didn't ever seem to turn off and it, it was just brilliant and it seemed to sort of you know capture the imagination of the public um, it was on, on you know free TV for the the, only, the one and only game of the tournament that was on it was on Channel 4 wasn't it and cricket hasn't mm. been on cricket hasn't been on uh, terrestrial TV since uh, the great 2005 Ashes series um, and yeah you know a lot of people talk about it the next day and it really did one of them games that if you weren't watching it someone might have uh, given you a text or given you a a call and said, uh, you know, watch this, this game is mad. And it just, yeah, it was swung back and forth. It was, we're done, we're going to win, we're not going to win. Oh no, this is terrible, oh this is great. And yeah, eventually we, uh, it was brilliant. <laughs> and so the uh, the question uh, to ask then, um, off the back of this, like you say, you can go into a bit more detail with uh, with Kale uh, on the uh, the podcast Down Under. Um, but 
has there been, or can you think of equivalent examples in across any sport uh, in a final, particularly in a World Cup final, ideally, but in any sort of final, really, is there a, an equivalent game that's been matched for drama? Bear in mind, um, well, yeah, I, I suppose that's the question. Yeah, has there been a, another another game in a final that's uh, that's that's matched been matched for drama? It's so. uh, it's, a sh- it's a struggle from what I can see. Um, I've been trying to do my research and think about uh, where it'd be. You look at the football World Cups. Um, yeah, I mean, I was an Englishman. You'd say 1966, it went to extra time. That's quite dramatic. But it didn't sound like it was the greatest game and the two best players in it kind of took each other out of the game and a right dramatic ending. But I don't know if it was perhaps as good. Uh, the 86 Football World Cup looked like a great game. Uh, Germany v Argentina, where I think... There were two goals scored in the last 10 minutes, one which was the winner, so for Argentina to win 3-2, again, mm. just before I was born, but um, sounded like a cracker. Your rugby, uh, again, as an Englishman, I'll probably go 0-3, um, and uh, yeah, though it was a brilliant drop goal from Johnny Wilkerson, the game, I think England probably should have put to bed in normal time, um, and probably wasn't the greatest quality game, great ending. Similarly, the I suppose, for the significance of it, the... Uh, World Cup final 95, South Africa v New Zealand with a, um, a game went to extra time and the game was won by a drop goal and that was kind of the one that sort of united South Africa again with Nelson Mandela's sort of um, you know master plan to get the whole country sporting the rugby um, came, sort of came together the thing that you know the film Invictus sort of lionised um, but again mm. we were watching that game as a kid and it was wasn't the it probably wasn't it was close and tense as a lot of finals are. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's been a cricket World Cup. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm struggling to think of a sort of a team one. I suppose, uh, you know, if you're American, you might say a couple of the recent Super Bowls. Um, the Patriots with the Seahawks was, was amazing in terms of uh, it came down to sort of last play and the Patriots looked like they were dead and managed to uh, seal an interception. Yeah. And then there was a, the great Patriots comeback, which was kind of a... But again, that wasn't really two sides battle. It was one side of the great period and another one had it. Um if you want to go individually, uh, maybe the Federer Nadal final in Wimbledon of 08 um, yeah. was was an absolute classic, um, and probably I'll put it slightly ahead of uh, another game that I'm sure we're going to talk about shortly. The uh, the game that was <laughs> happening at the exact same time as the cricket, which was also brilliant. Um, yeah, and then, then your other dramatic things. You're probably talking. I, I don't think uh, you know boxing fights are. It's probably not really comparable. Something like that. It's, it probably doesn't quite fit in with this. So it's tough. I mean, you know, it's a bit. Pick what you can, but um, you know, pick what you like in, in a final. But yeah, I guess. Uh, and then you look at other things, you know, different moments that sort of qualify. You know, like you know, would you say one of Usain Bolt's hundred meters thing? It's not really. It's a lot quicker. Mm. Right? So it is a final, but I suppose Usain Bolt's first, probably his first one. I think was his most astounding. Mm. He just destroyed the field, and you know, he's running across the line and the he still managed to smash a world record. But you know, that's nine and a half seconds, not. Uh, but that's that's uh, oh, yeah. that's like different though. Isn't it? That's like great. That's a great sporting moment. But it's not a it's not a final where it's, you know two teams. If there was another race, you know, if, um, I don't know, um, Gatlin was uh, running with him and they were crossing on the line at the same time, maybe. But uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be something. It's a bit of a, a clash of two and fro. Um, yeah, lots yeah, of drama. I, I, don't, I don't think the uh, that one comes into it. But yeah, I mean, uh, I think you're right. I think the ones you mentioned, there's a couple of other finals. There's a certain one in Istanbul, which. I remember fondly, but even then, that was only uh, that was only six minutes of us, of us playing well, um, and the rest of it was uh, AC Milan dominating and us hanging on in there, really. Um, and then the, the only other one I thought of that perhaps matches the brief um, was the uh, 19, uh, 
1998 um, Championship uh, playoff final. I think we touched on it in a previous podcast. Um, the Charlton v Sunderland. That's a good uh, shot, yeah. Three all after extra uh, after full time. Four all after extra time, um, and then went to penalties. And I think one on sudden death in the end, wasn't it? Um, yeah, that was fairly to and fro. And I suppose similarly, West Ham Liverpool in the the FA Cup. Um, 2006, uh, the one where Gerard um, got the winner in, uh, no, got the equaliser from um, from quite a way out. Um, yeah, there's there's not. I suppose United fans might talk about the Munich one, but I suppose yeah, the, the one that this has, and even Federer and Nadal, which all right, I suppose, I suppose if you actually watched the game, Federer and Nadal was incredibly back and forth, and there were moments for each, and Federer was massively up in the in the second set and kind of blew it. Mm. But that was still, you know, Nadal won the first two sets, then Federer came roaring back. Um, this one had such back and forth, you know, mm. we thought we were in it and then we got skittled out and then we came back and you're thinking if these two are there and then one of them goes and you're like, we're done for and then mm. it gets to a tie. It's just, it was constant, just just, just drama and just like, what, what's going on here? Who's going to win this? Um, and the other thing and is, with, with cricket, you know, to, to tie a game is, is very rare, isn't it? You know, got such a wide scope of being able to get runs. Um, to actually tie the game twice in the same match, um, all right, it's a, it's a lot more likely on a on a one over, but um, yeah, I think it's, it's uh, you know it's difficult in rugby to tie, isn't it? But in, in cricket, it's even harder. And um, yeah, I think that probably I think it's difficult to find a final full of such drama. Yeah, I mean, you go back and look at all the little moments that that will be forgotten about now but there's so many you know when you think of how close it was you're, you're literally talking a moment here where someone gets a run or doesn't score a run they should do mm-hmm. um, the end of New Zealand over uh, innings a guy got bowled a bouncer by Archer and he ducked under it and you think if he just swings his bat and gets a run mm-hmm. uh, it could be different um, and who was it that took the court, tried catching the ball on the boundary and ended up taking it over for six yeah Trent Bolt uh, when he caught Stokes oh, out there if, if he manages not to or just throws even if he throw, manages to throw it back in he won't go for six runs and it might go for three or four potentially uh, depending mm. on if he gets to throw back in but yeah just crazy stuff like that um, you obviously the Stokes getting hit with the uh, the ball getting hit uh, the ball hitting his bat um, yeah I mean Woke, Chris Wokes in there and he had a terrible second to last over after bowling really well throughout the match Just and you think one of, one of his went wide and hit uh, Archer tried to block it sorry Archer Butler tried to block it and he went for four um, just so many little crazy moments of you know kind of things that swing games because it, it literally <laughs> both full both size knee was a run twice uh, just mm. one more run uh, yeah it, it, was, it was mad and um, yeah really glad we came out on top feel desperately for the Kiwis because I thought they um, played played a lot of better cricket in the match and um, and they conducted themselves brilliantly afterwards. Didn't make any excuses. Decay uh, did say on the uh, two point down under that if it was Australia they'd still be moaning now. And um, yeah, well, I'm not sure I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be either. But um, yeah, it, it was just a brilliant final play in the proper spirit of the game. It was it was dramatic. It was a yeah, end to end. Was yeah, uh, end to end. Uh, wicket to wicket, let's say. Um, yeah. and, and just just had everything you want in a sporting game and for it to. Uh, to be happening at the same time as another great into uh, end game was going on was was just a, a crazy Sunday of sport, really. Well, you sound like you want to touch on this uh, this tennis malarkey, Jano. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, at the same time, within well, they actually finished, I think, within ten minutes of each other in the end, didn't they? But at the same time, in uh, across the other side of uh, London, um, Djokovic and Federer were fighting it out on. Uh, I think, I mean, it wasn't anywhere near as good, I didn't think, as Nadal Federer from from uh, from 2008. But it, 
and it was it was a it was a very good final, but it was a very bizarre final at the same time. Um, yeah, so Djokovic won won the first set on a tie break. Federer battered him in the set. Yeah, the second set, um, the third set. Federer won again, did he? No, Djokovic won um, another tie break. Another tie break. Then Federer won again, and then they went through uh, twelve games on a. Got to 12 all on the fifth. It used to be they just like run and run and run, didn't they? But they've put a cap on it since probably since the Ids. Or, um, Isn't a May Who game, yeah? The 70-68 in the year fifth. <laughs> uh, that was a couple of years ago, wasn't it? But um, but yeah, so they cap it at 12 all. There's another tie break, and, and uh, uh, Djokovic won the tie break. So Djokovic won the whole game, or won the the, uh, the match without breaking Nadal, uh, breaking Nadal without breaking Federer once. You know, he broke him once in the fifth, but then he got broken straight back. But um, ah, yeah, so you are right, yeah. Yeah, uh, no, it was. You know, you're right. It was. It was an unusual game, and I think probably the the fifth set drama adds to its legend in that you know you basically had another set on top of the fifth set, really, in, in terms of how many games won. But yeah, like I mean, I thought, um, yeah, I'm a huge Federer fan, as probably mentioned on here before, and I was devastated for him. He had um, he had championship points on his own racket and on his own serve. Mm. Um, and I thought throughout the match really probably had chances um, to win it and if you kind of look at the stats he um, I think he had 94 winners to Djokovic's 54 um, so you know he was he was the one sort of playing the tennis and going after it um, and yeah his, his first serve percentage was better he served less second faults he, uh, sorry but he served more aces served less double faults um, and yeah just it, but when it came to the tie breaks Djokovic kind of upped his level and um and yeah, Federer just seemed to fall apart a bit in the tie breaks, which was which was a real shame. Um, so it was it, it was it was brilliant in terms of uh, it was a great great ending, and it was two players at the top of the game. I don't think they their styles mesh quite as well as Federer and Nadal's mm. in terms of the end to end to it. Um, but yeah, Djokovic's resilience, I suppose, kind of got him through in the end, and Federer will be kicking himself because I think he had yeah, I think he should have won the first set for me. I thought we played a bit of tennis. Um, I think yeah, I think you know people say since he had chances to win all four, all five sets really, um, in particular the first four could have done quicker. But yeah, Djokovic just seems to hang around, and you know when he was down championship points, he managed to get himself out of there and then kind of upped his level from there. Really, so you, you've got to be impressed with just his resilience, really, and just how he manages to hold on in games. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, there was a pretty, yeah, it was it was a brilliant ending, and for, it just it was it was I had but I had two screens open at home. Uh, one laptop, one, one on my TV, and it just—it was hard to look, and they were both coming to kind of the crescendo at the same time. And it was, yeah, it was—it was a sporting overload, but it was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, uh, the the Grand Prix happened the same day, and didn't really get a look in uh, for me. No, I, think I saw saw the Hamilton one later, but um, well, yeah. that's, that seems to happen. No matter whether you, what happens, it's uh, Hamilton that wins the Grand Prix, isn't it? I think it's uh, not quite the same drama as uh, what was going on uh, elsewhere. Um, so yeah, we touched on Federer, and I suppose Djokovic one one closer to Federer now, and uh, yeah, we'll see how um, how the US pans out and probably reassess it at the end of the year. Um, we did a big big thing at the start of the year, didn't we, on the uh, Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic, and who'd won what and what was left to win. Um, well, now it's now as close as they've ever been, apparently. Just a, yeah, so mm. it's now four between them: uh, Federer twenty, Nadal eighteen, Djokovic sixteen. And you think if, if Federer beats. Djokovic there it's 21-15 and that's you know to Djokovic to catch him has got to make you know he's got to well, get, get six to catch him and win seven to go past him which 
mm. even as good as Djokovic is, is some ask, but now it's four. Um, With yeah, Djokovic, no, Djokovic probably favourite for US, is he? Yeah, he says he's favourite and he will be, and yeah, he's, he's probably his best service is hard, mm. of course. Um, you will see one thing, but well, you know, it's been a hard season for more and how they all adapt, but yeah, Djokovic probably probably wasn't his best and he still won Wimbledon, so shows <laughs> how good he is. Mm. Uh, and Federer is, is now 38, wasn't he? He was 37 in the final. Um, I mean, him and Nadal played another very good semi-final, and, and um, neither of them looked like slowing down. But yeah, it's just, it's just you've got to really want it at that eight, at that level, haven't you? And you've got to be doing the extra training, all the extra bits, and planning everything out to to keep going. So it just, I think it'll be when you know, very um, Nadal and Federer, uh, yeah, Nadal and Federer and, and Djokovic a bit later on will be when they want to quit rather than being sort of being forced to. I think, yeah, um, and less injuries, of course, but. Uh, yeah, it's getting very close and will continue to be interesting. But yeah, <laughs> just watching the, you know the semi of uh, Nadal and, and Federer, and then uh, the final Djokovic Federer. It just it just yeah, it's an absolute privilege to be watching tennis in um, at an age with them three at the same time. It, they're incredible. Um, Andy mm. Andy Murray had a good run too, but yeah, the three of them just just on another level, and it's um, yeah, they 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 uh, they're amazing. Yeah, and. Um- Elsewhere, then the uh, the women's final was equally um, well, equally full of drama. Perhaps a, the, one of the biggest shocks in uh, in a long time in Wimbledon. Yeah, um, for yeah for uh, Federer and, and Djokovic to go on for nearly five hours, that uh, the women was over in just over an hour. Was it just over an hour? Or just under. Just it? under it was, an hour. Yeah. Was it just under. Yeah. Um, yeah, Simona Halep, uh, the Romanian who's sort of been around world number one for a full while now, but never really been able to break through until last year when she finally won a Grand Slam at the French. Um, yeah. But yeah, kind of a diminutive, not particularly a power player, plays a sort of clever game and then sort of slugs it out against, um, you know, tries to play baseline game, but not what you call power player against, you know, probably what most people call the greatest female player of all time, in, or maybe the greatest tennis player of all time, you could argue, um, in Serena Williams. and. Yeah, just I was watching the first set and just sort of waiting for Williams to wake up and she didn't and you thought, okay, she'll shake that off. Uh, I think she lost the first 6-1, didn't she? Uh, mm. And then so you waiting for the, and it just never came and she lost the second 6-1 too. And um, yeah, Halep just sort of put the pressure on and, and waited for Serena to sort of explode and, and she regularly did and yeah, Serena was getting furious with herself and Halep just carried on playing the game and um, I don't think you can really say Serena threw it away as such because I don't think she was ever in it but um, yes I mm-hmm. did all she had to do and uh, yeah so Serena the much you know vaunted and dominant champion that she is has now lost I think it's three the last three Grand Slam finals she's been in yeah um, just as she's on the cusp because she's on 22 isn't she and I think it's Margaret Court's on 23 the record so mm. um, yeah Serena suddenly looks like she's maybe tightened up uh, I don't know if it's in the pursuit of the record or just she's not as motivated anymore or just other players have got better and she hasn't quite improved you know she's obviously a mother now so she's got other responsibilities and like we say at this level if you're you know doing what she should be doing which is spending more time with a child um you know maybe that's taken away a couple of bits and time you know times when she used to analyze a game or do extra training sessions or something you know um yeah but i mean she's she's incredible serena but just just odd to that final was yeah it was mad really just to see her get trounced yeah, I mean, she, 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 the final is one of those where if she, if she was a rookie, then you'd think, ah, oh, it's just the nerves of the final that's got to her. She's just, she kept making, um, just unforced errors. I think 
in the first set. She was way ahead of uh, Lep on the uh, unforced errors and doing do um, double faults on the serve. And you just think, oh, maybe the occasion's got to her. And obviously, that's not the case with Serena. Um, but yeah, it just, uh, it's very odd, really. Just, um, yeah, like you say, but maybe, maybe something, maybe just a, just a bad day of the office, I suppose. And, um, you know, give credit to Lep that she, uh, she dug deep and, um, and produced a, a really good performance. Maybe, I mean, you say that, I suppose, and Djokovic Federer is another good example, that even at the very best and the people who've won a lot of things, they do get tight in certain moments and there were a few shots in the Wimbledon final and um, from Djokovic and Federer when you thought they were doing, you know, Djokovic just some double faults in the fifth set and Federer, mm. yeah, um, served quite a tame one when he had the championship point in the second one, he, he came in on a point that he did, really didn't need to come in on, it was just kind of lunged to the net, you know, even the very best who've won it all before seem to still get nervous. Um mm. But yeah, I mean, Serena, she just didn't seem, I think it was 6-2, 6-2, sorry, 6-1, 6-1. But she just never seemed to turn up and just no. um, wasn't in it. And uh, yeah, she's, I mean, she hasn't won since the very start of 2017 now in the Australian Open final. So lost two Wimbledons and US and, um, you know, unlike her, yeah, but I mean, she, never, she doesn't seem to get into seasons as quickly anymore. And she, she used to do her own thing a bit and obviously she can with the air record she's got, but mm. um yeah, it won't be. I imagine she'll get that twenty-third Grand Slam. But the other women are coming up all the time, and if she doesn't turn it around quickly, you wonder if she'll she'll get twenty-three and twenty-four. Because um, yeah, it's easy it's to say she'll win one. Uh, the last three finals have shown that um, <laughs> yeah, they're not easy things to win. And she, you know, the mm. fact she's got twenty-two already shows how incredible she is, rather than that they're, they're easy to win. Mm. Well, um, moving on then from tennis, uh, as we're talking about great sporting uh, events and great sporting, um, well, not quite, maybe not comeback for this one, but we're currently in the middle of the Tour de France um, and talking of close uh, finals, uh, at the moment, I mean, Julianne Alaphilippe is, uh, is clear by a minute and 35 seconds, but that's expected to come down because he, um, although he's doing really well, he um, we're in the mountain stage now and he's probably not... Expected to perform um, as well as the other uh, general classification, the GC uh, riders uh, tend to. And if you look from second down to six, that's Geraint Thomas, um, Stephen Kreisvik, Thibaut uh, Pinot, um, Egan Bernal, Emmanuel Bokerman. Uh, there's 39 seconds separating the... Uh, so take out uh, Alain Philippe. And there's 39 seconds separating the next five riders. It's all very tight, isn't it, Jono? Yeah, I mean, it's the best tour I can remember in maybe ever. Um, so, no, we were doing a lot of best evers on this pod. But, um, and so, is, is, is that 1989 going to um, have a bit of a something to say about that? That was uh, with um, Le Mans. Lance's... No, it was oh, Le Mans you... and um, 1989, uh, not 1999. I've already known that. Le Mans and Hino, uh, when he, yeah. he, uh, it's a great documentary about that called Slay in the Badger, if you ever want to watch. Um, hmm. Yeah, it might well do, and we'll see how this one ends. But it's just, um, I suppose, what's been different, and we've been talking about a lot um, while the two partners have been away, is the. Uh, it's just kind of been pretty much from the off, this tour's had a lot of interest going on it. I think, um, you know, it started with we had a stage six that was kind of a mountain finished that, I mean, before that you had the, sorry, the team trial, trial which um, mm. isn't necessarily the next one to watch, but already kind of, you know, moved some certain teams up and down. And then you had a stage six that was uh, a dramatic one that. Uh, ended on a mountain top, so it was already sort of it kind of brought the, the the contenders out, and quite often the tour sort of waits for the second and third weeks when the contenders come out. But no, this was straight away. You know, well, you, I, 
And but, even on even on stage one, uh, we had the um, or oh, sorry, stage two, the, the the first individual one, we had the um, the sprinters. Uh, Normally for the sprint to finish, and it was the um, the kind of the rookie of the team. Um, can't remember his name now. Michael, uh, something from American lad. Um, anyway, he won the uh, he won the stage, and he was he wasn't meant to. He was meant to be a lead out man for somebody else, and um, yeah, we've, he's a lead out man for Gronowegen. <laughs> um, try saying that quickly. Um, yeah, so like I say, so yeah, then, then stage six. After stage six, where do we get next? Was, was it stage eight? Was the crosswind stage? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, last, I think it was, I think it was mm, stage eight. Last, last Thursday, I think. Yeah. And we say the crosswind stage. Uh, it comes up every sort of tour that um, basically some winds that uh, affect riders. And basically, in crosswinds, I won't go into details because I, I don't know them well enough. But you know, you want to be in the big group with crosswinds, so you're sort of protected from the winds. Because if you get caught away, it's very hard to the winds make it very hard to catch back up. And um, so some of the big riders got caught in the crosswinds and got caught away. Um, the the Team Sky boys and uh, they managed to be out the front because they're usually pretty astute. Um, but that caused more more ruptures. And so yeah, you kind of wondered if this sort of sort of go towards another Team Sky victory. They've won um, is it six out of the last seven now? They've won. Um, yeah, Team Ineos, but yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll keep going with Team Sky. Um, <laughs> and you thought out, but then what's been been different this year, I think, and some of it's the structure of is that um, that that everyone else seems to be very aggressive in terms of the teams and they're all having a go at this tour. Um, I, don't, I think some of that's got uh, probably down to Chris Froome not being there and I think Geraint Thomas, um, as, as brilliant as his win last year was and as brilliant a rider he is, he probably doesn't hold the fear factor that Froome does in, you know, in mm. terms of Froome. Froome's won four of these. Thomas won his first one last year. And um, yes, the same teams seem to be emboldened. Um, yeah, they're doing all sorts of different things. There's some teams are trying to do wacky attacks. Other teams are trying to attack early. Other team, you know, in recent years, uh, Sky have kind of been on the front and taking control, and they use their what's called domestiques, who are kind of the the uh, water carriers, to to sort of drive a high pace, which means other teams can't attack. But this year, their domestiques, uh, their uh, yeah, domestiques haven't been on the front. It's been different teams and different people are attacking and. Um, yeah, it's just been a kind of a back and forth, and it's another one where the races are going, and some days some other people look good, and um, uh, the French have got two contenders, and, and the French are desperate to win a Tour de France. It's been, uh, I'm trying to remember last year they won, but it's been uh, at least 30 years, I think, um, since they've won. It might be Bernardino back in '85, I think, was the last time they won. So they're desperate for a winner, and have been for many years. Mm. Um, and yeah, they've got Alaphilippe, who we think will fall away. But to be fair, it was you know it was only yesterday it was the first time he's really cracked. And we mm -hmm. haven't got to the two stages this weekend, which were two two brilliant stages. Um, there was a two mountain stages. One was um, the Tourmalet, which was kind of a shorter stage, so that it was pretty uh, yeah pretty rubbish from the off. And then yesterday there was kind of different attacks as some people tried to break away, and then various different riders attacked from different points. Um, and yeah. Um, the, that was the first time I had a Philippe crap, but Pino, uh, who got caught in the crosswinds, has looked very, very strong, and he kind of attacked yesterday, and mm -hmm. um, the other contenders who were kind of with him couldn't live with him. So, yeah, it's been different people have been strong different days. Uh, I, I don't think Sky have looked that strong, but Thomas is still in second place, and if you took out Ala Philippe, if you assume he would eventually not quite be able to handle this level, then, then Thomas would be your, your first, and they've got Benau in, in, you know, in fifth, or you know, fourth, you're going to take out Ala Philippe. Um, so, yeah, there's contenders all over the place, and we've, we've said with such um, small margins, and 
we've got the time we you know time trial sometimes they do a late time trial don't they uh, there's no time the time trials have been done and um it's only the mountains now really it's probably going to be I say probably, it's probably going to be the Alps that decided, but there have been a couple of stages this year that we said we're going to be sprinter stages and suddenly their attacks have been launched and, and <laughs> things have been happening. So that's what's, um, there's definitely been, I think, the, the organisers deserve a great amount of credit for um, organising what's been a, a very competitive tour and has already caused a lot of drama. Mm. Uh, and, and then I think, yeah, maybe maybe the Froome factor as well and maybe the, the Froome fear factor uh, has gone away, but... And I don't know if you feel differently, Gareth. What, what do, you, do you do? Do you see it as a, you know best tour in recent memory? And do you do you think there's other things to it, or you know, what have you enjoyed about it? I guess. Yeah, it's definitely been um, been the best tour uh, recently in, in terms of. Um, I mean, you, nobody's got any idea really who's going to win. Um, but I think one of the big um, reasons for that is Alan Philippe. Um, I, th- I think if uh, if he'd not been there, not been set the cat amongst the pigeons, I think you'd, you'd still have Team Sky on the front. Um, Perhaps controlling a bit more. I think the the organisers deserve a lot of credit for the uh, how this how the um, stages have been set as well. And um, yeah, like you say, there's been a couple of stages which you don't think are going to be mountain stages. Uh, don't be, not GC stages. And um, yeah, suddenly they're the ones that are uh, that are there at the front at the end. Uh, they've also put bonus seconds in different parts of the race. So um, if you go over a certain uh, climb first, and you get a couple of second bonus seconds. They've, the last few years they've done bonus seconds at the line so if you win the race you get say six bonus seconds uh, and all those seconds come off your time um, and this year yeah there's been a few more in, dotted around in uh, along the race so um, yeah giving other teams a bit more of an incentive to go up the road early and get a few more um, bonus seconds um, but yeah it's uh, I mean I think we, we keep trying to plug the cycling and if you're just a, a casual sports fan who's not that bothered about the cycling uh, this is the year to just have a little, just enjoy the um, well, enjoy the last week really. Uh, there's a ITV4 do a great um, program at the end of each day, seven o'clock till till eight o'clock, uh, and it just sums up the day and goes into a little bit of detail of, of what's happening. And they're very good at explaining uh, what to look out for and what to uh, what's going on. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd recommend uh, that you just watch that for the, the last few days. Particularly, I think there's a it's a bit of a quieter stage tomorrow on when uh, on Tuesday, but then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, Saturday, in fact, all the way I think to uh, Paris. Now it's um, it's going to be mountain stages and we uh, get the attacks and yeah, uh, get involved is what we'd say, isn't it, Jano? Yeah, completely. I mean, we've seen um, yeah, we've seen some yeah different stages. We've seen some early mountain ones. We've seen some time trials, and we've just been into the Pyrenees, which was say uh, great. But yeah, the the tour tends to go through the two big mountain ranges around France, the, the Alps and the Pyrenees. And we've done the Pyrenees, so it's the Alps will decide this tour. And um, yeah, what a place to do it. They, they have different races up different mountains each year, um, and they're always great and full of drama. And yeah, I've got to see no reason with um, with so much at stake and so little in teams. I think everyone's going to be um, looking to attack and try different mm. tactics and different things. We're doing different things, which is is what's been fun this year really it's been um, kind of different people playing their hands and some teams um, have, have done that and failed um, but it's, it's nice to see teams trying a bit this year and not kind of I suppose yeah the teams I don't see a lot of skies um, ruling with the, the iron fist it has done in the past and, and that's made for fun racing and they may still win it because um, yeah Thomas and, and Bernal are both well placed but um, yeah uh, we, we both both love the tour and um, if you haven't watched and you think cycling sounds dull this this would be a good year to uh, repeat that claim because it, it's, it's been great Hmm. Um, okay, so we've done cycling. Uh, talking, talking about great, Gareth. Did you uh, about boxing this weekend? 
Well, that's just the words out of my mouth, Jonathan. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to the boxing. Then. It was a packed, uh, packed card on Friday night, which uh, you're you telling me you're enjoying. Yes, yeah, so Saturday night, sorry, but yeah, um, the, the Dillian White, uh, um, yeah, White card. Uh, it was, it was, it was great. <laughs> there was, uh, I think, what do you watch six fights of it, and, and uh, yeah, there wasn't wasn't really a bad one in there. Um, so it's so really gone. I was going to say, so it's to the, the main winners were, were Price, White, and Chisora, was it? Yes, it was kind of mate. It was it was a card of the big hitters. So the the two one one fights before that, there were so three heavyweight fights to finish, and two before that were cruiserweights. So it was a lot of big boys thumping each other. Um, and the the first cruiserweight fight was kind of Lawrence Acoli, and he won fairly convincingly against the sort of it was just a, a keep keep busy fight really. But then his next one was uh, Richard Reakpour against uh, Chris Billum Smith. That was a, a real back and forth battle. Um, that went this way and that way and React for one on points in the end up but he went on a split decision which I thought was, was slightly unfair. I think he probably won but it was close. Before yeah the, the, then the uh, the big boys came. Um, started off with Derek Jador who seems to be having some late career renaissance and, and really enjoying himself and um, Is this is this down to David Hay then? You wonder. Uh, it was it was a it was a Hay like it was like, it was like the knockout that Hay did on Jazori. Um yeah, Chisora came in and he this fight was sort of billed as a bit of a tough fight for him against uh, Arthur Spilzaka. A um, yeah, a grissy pole who was a southpaw, and um, yeah, Chisora kind of went over early, and then got him in the ropes second round, and just threw three punches. And the last one, he well, he kind of looked like he was out on his feet from the second one, but um, yeah, the last one put him down and out, and uh, yeah, Chisora had a second round knockout, which is um, yeah, Chisora's having a great sort of late period of his career. You know, he, he knocked out Sakam back last year, um, was giving Dillian White, who will come to in a sec, all, all hell, and was ahead on points like, back last Christmas, and now. Has knocked out Spielsack, so yeah, Chisora's, um, despite having, I think he's lost nine fights in his career, just seems to be keeping himself relevant, and mm. yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a tough fight for anyone, really. Um, we'll we'll come, back, come back to Chisora at the end, because we'll just, just quickly run through what happened on each, and then we'll, we'll look at what, uh, where they're going to go next. So Price, Price had a good win then? Yeah, David Price finally getting a, I suppose a big win that he, I mean, he's had wins before that are good, but this is probably kind of the biggest, most famous of his wins, and he's, he's had a really unlucky career white uh white sorry price um in that he i think his first four defeats three of them uh, and they were by by three different people so one guy beat him twice were, were, were by drug cheats people who later got found for um guilty of uh, you know using performance enhancing drugs and then he's had so he had some different comebacks he had a comeback against another guy who actually got he wasn't on drugs we had done previously got knocked out quite savagely and then he had two fights recently where he won both but one um Terrible. Before before that, he, he got he had to pull out injury one. Then he won one where uh, it was kind of an early stoppage. Not not his fault. But the referee jumps in. And then the last one, he got bit by uh, his opponent um, before the referee <laughs> stopped it for that. So he's never really been able to get any momentum going. Price, despite um, since an early good start to his career when he was an Olympic bronze medalist and he kind of lost his fight. He's never really got back. But he he finally used that huge six for eight frame of his and against Dave Allen, the fan favourite, who's who's great fun to listen to and has had a really good recent run himself. But you know, isn't on Price's level, and I, I, I was baffled at the start of the fight because Allen was quite a heavy favourite. Um, yeah, but yeah, Price just used his big thing. Price does hits very hard, and he boxes well, and just used the long reach and kept Allen at the end of his jab and punches. Really, Allen couldn't get close, and um, yeah, eventually Allen's corner pulled him out at the end of the tenth round, and um, Allen uh, he was he collapsed on the way out of the ring afterwards. Fortunately, he's okay, but yeah, showed that his, his trainer definitely made the right decision and get him out there. He probably could have gone a bit earlier. But yeah, great for, for Price to finally have a big win on a big card. Um, and yeah, hopefully he can sort of be 
the start for his career that he's he's never kind of got since the early days, really. Yeah, and then the last, the uh, the, the main main event, Big Dillian. Um, yeah, I just the more the more I hear him, the more I watch him fight. He's he's just he's brilliant, Dillian White. Um, he, uh, yeah, well, he, I mean, he's not been brilliant. He wasn't brilliant against Chisora, was he? There he was brilliant. Um, but yeah, I suppose he ended up with a brilliant knockout. Um, but he, he he's he's come on a hell of a lot, Dillian White, in, in the last few years. He's he's a different fighter, and, and Saturday was a really good encapsulation of that. Really, he um, he kind of boxed very smart for him while he used his bigger size. He he got behind his jab and just kind of, I mean, his general style was just to sort of come and rumble and and bring you into a fight anyway. But he he had a bit more boxing with this fight with this one and. Um, he did get put down in the ninth round with a good uppercut from uh, Oscar Rivas' opponent, but but generally that was about the only trouble he had, and he, he pitched quite a convincing victory for me, and um, yeah, continues to be the probably the most avoided man in the heavyweight division, and uh, he's now been waiting, I think it's six hundred odd days for his shot that he's been number one contender. At. You just you want to see him get in there with with a world champion, really, whichever one it is. Um, but yeah, he, it was another really enjoyable fight to watch. He's um, He's he's entertaining out of the ring as well. He's, he talks a very good game. Um, yeah, really like Dillian White and, and hope he gets the shot he deserves very soon. But it, yeah, he did um, had another good win and he's you know he's he could be sitting on his hands and waiting for um, wait trying to wait for that world title shot. But he continues to get in there with tough people. Joseph Parker, Derek Chisora uh, twice and and now Rivas. He, he's not fighting muppets here and he continues to pull out results and and come through. Hmm. Uh, so where so where next then? Was, should we start with Dylan? It's tough again because you, Dylan is for some reason has, has not got the shot against Deontay Wilder. He deserves Wilder as he's been Wilder's number one challenger for and supposedly managed challenger for six hundred days. Um, but Wilder's fighting Ortiz again next, which Wilder don't think is a bad fight. He's already fought him once and knocked him out. I'd, I'd much rather watch Wilder v White. Mm. So you assume that White waits for? Oh, well, I don't think he waits actually. Sorry, you assume White. Supposedly he's going to get the winner of Wilder Fury too. That's meant to be happening next February. So yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where what uh, White goes. I guess maybe he has a bit of a, a keep busy fight again. He, he's had quite a few tough fights now. Um, but I mean, in the he, same, t- he didn't cool. help himself, did he, by pulling out or by not taking the Joshua? He keeps saying he wants his chance. He keeps saying he deserves his chance, and then he gets a chance of having a fight for three belts uh, against a bloke who'd already beaten him up uh, two years ago, and he decides not to take it. Yeah, that was probably a very mistake. Yeah, sorry, you, you are right there. Um, I didn't really understand why he turned down Joshua at Wembley last April. Um, he said he didn't get long enough and the terms weren't very good, but you think that was his fight? And if, 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 if Joshua looked like he did against Andy Ruiz, uh, <laughs> White might well be heavyweight champion. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that was probably, I don't think that's anything to do with White being scared of running. I think he probably got some bad advice there and got told he'd get another chance. And, you know, I think, I think White. Um, if, and it's a big if, if Joshua beats Andy Ruiz in a rematch, uh, I was hearing someone shout today that White would be a logical opponent, and that would make sense to me. Mm. But in the meantime, yeah, I don't really, you know, there's not much left for him in Britain. You know, White's the only person he's, you know, he's fought, he's beat Chisora twice now. Um, I don't think he won the first one, but I don't think there's any particular appetite for a third one. Joshua's got to sort himself out. Fury's doing the American thing, and then, you know, your Joe Joyce is probably even David Price. David Price, it'll be. It's a potential David Price, but it'd be quite a jump up for Price if you just get momentum back um, to go in there with Dillian. So I'm not sure there's a British fight for White. Um, yeah, and then you're looking at, you know, uh, does he fight someone like a Pulev? Uh, a Povetkin would be Povetkin would be an interesting fight if Povetkin's still fighting, but Povetkin's getting on and yeah, there's, there's not many. 
Uh, yeah, I suppose he's, he's got a bit of bad blood in the Brazil, kind of nicks his title shot. But mm. yeah, there's not many really for for White that I suppose the the very tough one, the the, the screamer probably doesn't get. Povetkin, uh, a, you know, Povetkin hits hard. So that I suppose is the risk reward factor. Does it push him that further on? And then mm. yeah, everyone else is. It's tough. It's not an easy place for Dylan to go. Um, you could fight someone like a Pulev, yeah, Povetkin, or. Yeah, maybe he goes and knocks Brazil out, and or maybe maybe yeah, maybe he tries to go to America and knock an American out. I don't know, but I think there's not an obvious fight for him in Britain, nor is there an obvious fight for him on world level. So maybe he just tries to take some busy and hopes his world title shot finally comes through. <laughs> yeah, I did hear an interview with uh, Fury though, sort of uh, laughing at White, saying, um, "I think he'd start off by saying that you know he's not getting involved in either that White had talked bad about him. He's not going to talk bad about uh, White uh, White back, but but what he will do is." Uh, Sort of laugh at him and say, "Haha, we're gonna have a trilogy. Me and uh, Wilder, and you're not gonna get a look in for ages." Um, and <laughs> kind of think, yeah, if he's just gonna hang around for the winner of that, he's, he's probably not gonna get a look in for ages. No, I, I suppose it. it um, yeah, I mean, he was he was um, he was having pops at uh, Fury on a podcast last week. Um, he was yeah, he, they, they, there's too much love lost between them. So they're both good talkers. So they suit quite mm-hmm. well. Um, I guess yeah. Well, you know, White, uh, White's got to watch. Got to wait a bit for the the Joshua Ruiz rematch to finish. I think if if um, if Ruiz wins again, then it's um, you know White White's options probably open up a little bit in terms of you wonder who Ruiz fights after that, and if he doesn't fight this person quickly, I think different governing belts or it's given governing bodies will strip him, and then I think White's number two is it with a WBO, so he could fight someone like Usyk for that belt. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that that might open things up and different belts might become available. But yeah, you wonder if it maybe is it maybe he's sitting there crossing his fingers, hopes that AJ wins, and then tries to get AJ. They'd probably a year, it'd be roughly a year later than he should have fought him, really, wouldn't it? And see if he mm. can fight that. Um, but then then you wonder does does Ruiz have any? Um, there's different noises coming out of the the Eddie Hearn and the Ruiz camp, isn't there? And how much control Ruiz has over this next fight? So um, it's tough for White. He, he deserves a title shot. He has done for a long while. Um, I've, I'd much rather see him against Wilder later this year than see Wilder against uh, Ortiz again. Um, and that, that hasn't been announced, I suppose, but I assume it's happening. Um, mm. But but yeah, I think um, I think White's a problem for any heavyweight in the division, really. So um, you can see how people are avoiding him. But he'll, he'll, he'll get a shot at some point, if I like to think. Mm. Okay, and, and then... Uh, uh, oh, go on, sorry. And just, I think, um, he's at least, you know, he's presenting his pay-per-view fight in the UK, isn't he? So he's hopefully yeah. cashing in well and making some, some decent money off these fights. Mm. And then what about um, Price and Chisora maybe fighting each other? That one that one would interest me a lot, actually, but I, I, there were a lot of the noise that seemed to come out afterwards was that Chisora, and it's been noise for a while, Chisora v Parker, Joseph Parker, who's, who's been over uh, a couple yeah. of times, and he, he lost to Joshua he, he fairly convincingly, and then he... Um, Dillian White beat him, but he, he had Dillian White in, down in the last round and in all sorts of trouble. And mm. he's known Muppet Joe Sparkers. There's been a lot of talk about that. Um, yeah, I think I'd, I'd probably rather see Chisora be Price, really. Um, yeah, I mean, you wonder where Price goes. Price, maybe he is a bit more interested in sort of the British level guys, so would, would that be another step for Joe Joyce? Um, mm. That would be quite neat. I mean, yeah, Price would. That would be an issue one because Price is the better boxer and Joe Joyce. Um, uh, but Joe Joyce has got a great engine and that has caused price problems in the past if he can't get you out of there quite often previously until this fight against Adelaide, if he can't get you out of there quickly he struggles and Joe Joyce just seems to walk forward and 
trudging, he's, he's called Juggernaut and it's a very apt name, he just slowly plods forward and hits you and just swings wildly and, and takes big punches and so that could be quite an interesting match for Styles, could Price um, you know, put Joyce to sleep and get him off him or would, would Joyce wear him down? Mm. Um, other than that, yes, again... Dubois? Yeah, Dubois, yeah, Dubois, you could fight Dubois, I guess. No, I mean, that would be an interesting fight. Uh, Dubois looked They're probably trying, trying to keep him a bit more protected, though, I suppose, when he's only 21, is he, Dubois? Yeah, that would be would be a decent jump, and Dubois kind of had his coming-out party a couple of weeks back then against Nathan Gorman. That was his first big step up, and he, he looked great, and I think he'll... Um, yeah, he's he's got some... Um, yeah, well, he'll... he'll I could see him being a champion one day. He's got he looks very tidy. He's got some some serious power and, and dispatch of Gorman fairly easy. Really, I thought that was going to be a closer fight. So hmm. yeah, you, you wonder. Price is kind of at a, a vulnerable point in that he he's finally got some momentum and where does he go? And you want to match him quite well, but um, yeah, at the same time, if he wants to get back in there, you know, does he he needs to go and fight someone? Really, does he go to you know Price against Brazil? That that could be a sort of fight that he I think he'd win. Um, does he fight someone like a Christian Hammer? I uh, know he's uh, yeah, Christian Hammer beat him before, knocked him out. Maybe he tries to go back and get revenge there. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it similarly, it's, um, they don't have an obvious fit. Uh, I've heard people say that Price could be Fury's keep keep one fight in the middle. Um, I think Price was the last guy to beat Fury, wasn't he, in the amateurs mm. um, that many moons ago? Uh, that one I wouldn't mind seeing, but I think Fury seems to be mainly concentrating on breaking America, doesn't he? And I don't think yeah. Price for him is that big over there. So, yeah, interesting, interesting times. Yeah, I think Price Joyce would be the obvious one, and then White. Uh, yeah, I'll say for Vetkin because I just think that'd be a bit of a rumble. But um, yeah, I don't know if there is rewards there for him really. But hopefully something goes wrong with the Ortiz Wilder negotiations, and Wilder finally gets in there. White. Who knows? Mm. It's, um, as we've seen with this. Heavyweight division, it's um, it's a fluid situation. Uh, and, yeah, no, nothing's ever quite as it seems. Uh, it hasn't, definitely hasn't been the past year or two. No, and I'm sure we'll have all these conversations again in, uh, over the next couple of months about who goes where next. Yeah, I'm sure um, we'll have some more money to do about different people not fighting. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll keep, keep your ears peeled uh, <laughs> for that because it will definitely happen. Mm. Um, and the only other real kind of uh, story from the boxing uh, over the weekend was uh, Pac-Man beating uh, Keith Thurman. Yeah, um, continues to, to defy ageing. Um, <laughs> I know there's various different rumours on how he does that. Um, and, um, it, yeah, there was no VADA testing for this one, was there? Yeah, I was going to say it's pretty interesting that um, there was no testing for this, which, um, yeah, is odd, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, but um, I suppose, yeah, regardless, he, he still, um, if, he, if he's on drugs, and I hope he's not, but it seems like he might well be, uh, even if he is, he, he's still got to go in there and, and he's still got to have the smarts and the the ability to, to beat someone who's as good as a Furman. Right? Furman hasn't fought as much in the past couple of years of injuries, but he's still been a... Well, he was undefeated, he was a world champion. Um, yeah, seriously good operator. And, and by the sounds of it, I think the scorecards were were closer than people suggested. It didn't sound like it should have been a split decision. I, you know, I read a lot of people who said that, um, that Furman... Uh, sorry, Pacquiao beat him reasonably convincingly, really, mm. so... Um, he knocked him down a couple of times, didn't he? Yeah, and down in the first, and you just think, yeah, um, yeah, just continues to continues to the fire time, continues to be amazing. He's, you know, he's eight, he's eight, eight weight world champion Pacquiao. Furman was giving it a lot in the build up about um, 
about how he was small and he wasn't going to be able to hurt him and, and this and that and yeah he puts him down the first and beats him fairly fairly convincingly really and just yeah where, where, does, where does Pacquiao go now what's what's his <laughs> um, what's his next move yeah <laughs> exactly I saw the, the Mayweather talk flared up again doesn't <laughs> doesn't particularly interest me. I mean, when I say it doesn't interest me, if it happened again, I'm sure I'd watch it. Um, <laughs> so it probably interested me somewhat. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, Pacquiao's another one who's in a weird sort of space in that I don't think he wants any part of a Terence Crawford Errol Spence. Um, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure Amir Khan will come calling at one point. Well, apparently the fight was signed last week. Uh, I saw, <laughs> saw the video where someone said it's Pacquiao and he's a very uh, bemused face and sort of looked and, no, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's not loads of fights for, for Pacquiao unless he wants to go and fight someone like a Crawford or a Spence. And um, yeah, I don't think they'd be the wisest moves for him. Uh, he could go back up to super middleweight again and see if he can find someone there. But there's, there's not a huge name up there. Kevin I mean, Kell Brooks about as big a name up there as anyone else. Mm. Um, yeah, and then he's unless he uh, I don't know someone like a Lomachenko wants to come up again. But Lomachenko's already come quite away. Uh, mm. so, I mean, that would be. Well, it depends on the size they fight, Harry, doesn't it? But, um, <laughs> depends with his VADA testing again. Yes, um, but maybe, uh, maybe Lomachenko can get on the roids and um, <laughs> get himself a bit beefed up for it. Uh, so, yeah, without going to the very top, it's difficult to know where Pacquiao wants to go. But he is 40, he probably, probably could end on that and it'd be quite a, quite, a, quite a good way to end on going to be president of the Philippines, couldn't he? Mm. I, could do, uh, I think he can do that whenever he wants, this one. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so I think we'll uh, leave the boxing there for now and um, we'll we'll come back to that uh, over the next uh, couple of weeks and months. Although August tends to be a bit of a quiet time for uh, for boxers, doesn't it? But um, yeah, we'll see on that. Uh, what about football then? I know there's nothing going on, so I thought we'd just touch on uh, on our two teams. Uh, Arsenal brought out a nice new kit. Uh, anything else been going on in uh, pre-season? <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you've got um, your captain kind of uh, being there or thereabouts, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> who ironically became captain, didn't he? Yeah, I think we bought a couple of 16-year-olds, uh, one from Fulham and uh, another one from, I can't remember where he came from, somewhere in Holland, I think. Um, 
so yeah, not not a lot of uh, activity, which I'm not that concerned by. Um, we've still got Chamberlain to come back, and as I say, he's a new player, um, and uh, hopefully uh, Gomez will stay injury free now as well. And yeah, we've we've got uh, a decent squad. I think um, probably do with a uh, a striker to someone to um, replace Bobby if uh, if if he's out injured. Although. In the pre-season, um, we've had uh, Ryan Brewster step up. Um, he's the young lad who he broke his leg at the start of last season, uh, and before that, he'd um, he's under, when he was playing for the under 18s I think it was, he suffered some uh, racial abuse and, and confronted um, or walked off the pitch. I think in that game, so you know, got a bit of uh, headlines of being someone who's quite headstrong and um, yeah, got um, seems to be quite a, a good player. Uh, there was the uh, we had a pre-season game. Um, which the two two biggest teams on Merseyside played each other, um, both having won uh, silverware in the summer, um, and uh, yeah, the Tramia took a bit of a battering, but they, um, but yeah, it was a, that was a good good fun game. Uh, although since then, I think they, we beat Bradford and then went on our tour and, uh, and have since lost to Dortmund and Seville. But as ever, if you win in, then pre-season games are. Um, are a good sure sign of what's going to happen in the in the new season, and if you lose them, it's well, it's only pre-season friendly. Who knows? Um, so yeah. <laughs> they did. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, they all, they also battered Newcastle four 0 which probably means that uh, Newcastle are going down, which is probably likely after uh, they've lost Benitez and half the rest of their team that's been sold. But um, yeah, <laughs> he was eleventh choice, wasn't he? So um, fill, fill, fills you with confidence. <laughs> I mean, to be fair. Defensive Priest probably shouldn't have been 11th choice, considering, well, yeah, but he was. Um, so there we go. Rodri, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they, they got rid of them um, just on a Welsh point of view. They've uh, loaned out uh, Ethan Ampadu, which, um, yeah, he's a, he's a young young midfielder who has uh, already had a few caps for Wales and um, he seems to be on all their kit launches and stuff but they've uh, loaned him out to uh, RB Leipzig um, for the season so there we go. I don't know perhaps uh, Frank didn't agree with the um, with the policy but but I think they've got a lot of players on the books to be fair haven't they um... Trip here to um, Atletico. Mm. Mm. And they got uh, Rodriguez as well, didn't they? Um, Atletico. 
Right. Yeah, the, no, and I suppose the other big story for the last couple of days is Zidane's publicly said, uh, <laughs> I want I want Bale to go, basically, isn't he? So, uh, there was a lot of st stats around today about um, if you compare Bale's uh, time with uh, Madrid and Zidane's time with Madrid, uh, Bale's got more goals, more assists, uh, more trophies, <laughs> or maybe chuckle a bit, really. But, but yeah, but, um, difficult to know, but Bale's on £600,000 a week and Who's, who's, who on earth is going to match that wage? And on that note, I think we'll leave it there for today. Um, yeah, if you want to join us on Facebook or uh, Twitter, it's at Pinter2. Yeah, and great. We'll see you again. Thanks for listening.